My name is Sharzad Kiade. I'm a Gemini pescatarian, a mom of two wild little boys. I'm Susan Yara. I'm a mom of two also. This morning, I went to the bathroom alone. I woke up at five, put my boob in her mouth, and then she took a dump. Because that's what she uses me for. <laughs> that's what you're going to hear a lot of our stories and experiences in our crazy journeys to motherhood. It's fam for all moms, not for all dads, not fathers and moms, for all moms. It's going to be a good old time. You guys are going to want to stick around. Promise. So subscribe. This is Josh Schneider-Weiler from TIFO's This Football Life podcast, and I will once again be filling in for Joe Devine this week as he's still off on holiday. I really hope you enjoyed last week's episode when we chronicled the life of the trailblazing coach, Bella Gutman. Today, we discussed the World Cup. The final might be five months away, but it's not too early to look forward to it. After all, I'm going to be going to Russia in five months, and I can't wait. So this week, we speak to photographer Michael Donald about his book, Goal intimate portraits and interviews with every living FIFA World Cup final scorer, which is just about that. World Cup final goal scorers. There's only 34 of them. It's an exclusive crew. Some topics we discuss are how 1986 was a turning point in World Cup football, post-World Cup fame, unsung World Cup final goal scorers, Marco Tardelli's goal and celebration in the 1982 World Cup, and Donald nearly stealing Emmanuel Petit's World Cup winner's medal. We discuss those topics and more on this week's episode of the TIFO Football Podcast. I'm here in the trendy shore ditch, uh, like Soho Works area, around a bunch of uh, young, vibrant professionals uh, with Michael Donald, a professional photographer uh, extraordinaire. Michael, how are you doing today? I'm very good, thank you. I've read your book, and I, I mean... It, I mean, I, more like I saw your book um, because there's so many great pictures in there. Um, before we get into your book, though, um, you know, a lot of people probably don't know a lot about you. So if you could just explain your, your background and, yeah, um, yeah. in photography. I mean, from, and yeah, I mean, I'm originally, I'm originally from Belfast. So I've lived in London for the last, God, 30 years. Um, and I've been a professional photographer most of that time. I mean, originally, I... Uh, Originally, I just wanted to work for do, do photojournalism for the weekend magazines, which eventually I did do. It just took a while to get there. But that, that, that world has changed so profoundly that there's very little money left in editorial. So I also do stuff. So I do exhibitions. Um, I've done... Uh, you mean like museum exhibitions? Or? Yeah, yeah, I've done museum exhibitions. I do quite a lot of stuff with the Rolling Stones. Um, so, I mean, I'm essentially... Everything I do is people. It's all people. Um, I mean, some people would describe me as a portrait photographer. Some of it, you know, some of it's lifestyle. I do more. Is that a problem? <laughs> no, keep going. Um, it, uh, you know, the, 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 it's, it's easier to make money now doing lifestyle photography than doing it, doing it as portraiture for, for, for magazines. So you just sort of, I mean, it, it's changed as I've gone along, but, um, you know, touch wood, I'm still here. So. Yeah, and I mean, you, 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 uh, you said you you specialize in portraits why portraits what what about that appeals to you uh, well I I, I I I think I have an inquisitive mind anyway I'm always fascinated by people um, and I actually think portrait photography is the hardest kind of photography there is it's very difficult to get people uh, to look into a lens and feel sort of comfortable you know whereas the idea of, I mean just the, the other kinds of photography just they, they, they just don't appeal to me so yeah and uh now I want to get into the book, um, or for these interviews, you traveled, you know, all around the world. I mean, you went 
uh, you know, as close to home as, you know, England and Italy, but all the way, you know, to Argentina and Brazil and um, to, to talk to these people. But I'm curious, how did you find all of these people? Because, you know, as you mentioned in the book, a lot of them don't, you know, don't live glamorous lives. They're not famous anymore. Yeah, it, it, it took some doing, but, you know, it... Uh yeah, it was hard. I mean, initially, I had I, I tracked down all the Brazilians, which wasn't that difficult. I mean, the the, the, the first route in would be to go through the, the, that country's football association. Um, some of them would know where some of them were, some of them know where some of them weren't. But uh, and and then once once ESPN got involved, we, we then had a team of people. Just, with a team of people, you you you, you just. Yeah, because no, because one of the people, I mean, the first one of the people you mentioned in the introduction, Dick Nanigan, he didn't tell anyone that he was a World Cup winner, or I mean, World Cup scorer. Yeah, I mean, actually, went to see Dick twice initially because whenever I went to see Passion Pictures, he said to me, "Look, go go and make one of them, do do one film, bring it back, and then we'll see where it goes." So I went off my own bat and uh, and shot Dick Nanigan. He was living in Northern Belgium. And at the time, he, was, he, he, he had a job selling bathrooms. And he sort of, he loved his job. And it was sort of, it was all he cared about and whatever. And, it, and he, he, he sort of almost thought it was slightly odd that we wanted to come and talk to him about his football past because it was very much in his past. He didn't, he didn't live off it or anything. Um, and he, yeah, I mean, he, I mean, whenever we were doing the interview, I asked him to go and find his medal. And his wife came back with the, with the box, and whenever he opened the box, he he he'd taken the medal, he'd taken his World Cup medal out, and put a medal in for singing karaoke because he liked the box. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, yeah, very humble man, and just sort of thought it was slightly odd that we were there. You yeah. know? And then, like I said, I was saying in the introduction, whenever we were done, we all went down to his local bar, and and it was just walking distance from his house, and he knew everybody. It was a small village in northern Belgium, and everybody knew him there, and. The woman, the landlady behind the bar sort of said, because we were a crew of about five and we brought some cameras with us. And she, she was saying, what, what, what are you all doing here? And uh, I said, are we here because of Dick? And she said, what's Dick done? Yeah. And, uh, and in all the years he'd been going there, he'd, he'd never told anybody he'd scored a goal in the World Cup final. Yeah, it, I mean, it, when, I, when I read that, I, it struck me that it, it was like it wasn't part of his identity anymore. Um, that, or that part wasn't yes, that's really... Right. And, it, it seemed like that was kind of true with a lot of them, or not. The, well, the I think. I mean, I think the. I think sort of pre nineteen eighty six, and that's that's sort of the that's the World Cup. I think where it changed. Where after after that, they all made huge amounts of money, and they all had a celebrity status that the ones prior to that didn't necessarily have. You, they sort of, they had their window of of, of time playing professional football, but it, but you know in the nineteen seventies, and unless you were like a superstar. Um, you, 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 you finished your playing career and you, 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 you went and got another job. I mean, most people in England, what they did is they, they, they did their, they had their testimony, they got the money from the testimony and they went and bought a pub. Yeah. And, and, and that's what they did. Whereas now, everybody that goes to the World Cup will have, you know, will have a celebrity status and enough money and, and, unless they cock it up to live for the rest of their lives. You know, so, so it's very different um, culture. But yeah, some of the guys before... Before '86, we're yeah, we're sort of slightly bemused that anybody had any interest in them at all. Anyway, yeah, I mean, the, the, you definitely get that from from the book. But 
you, you mentioned in 1986 is when you kind of saw the change yeah. uh, to more superstars, bigger celebrities. Was it more difficult to get those people after the or the people that were in the World Cups after to come and interview on the uh, yes. for the film? <laughs> yes, because I mean you have like you know uh, like Zidane, you have yeah. Iniesta. Um, <coughs> You know, Goetze in yeah. 2014. Actually, interesting. Iniesta was, was very easy to get, and he, he, was, he was delightful and helpful and very humble. I mean, the man has no swagger anyway. You know, he's just a very polite young guy. But, yes, yeah, some of the others, like, uh, I mean, I'll just mention him. So, like, some Matarazzi, uh, Ronaldo, uh, Brazil, Brazilian Ronaldo. Very difficult to get, like lots of negotiations. And, uh, but by that stage, we were quite far down the line with the films. I personally didn't get involved. And in, uh, initially, whenever we were tracking down the players, I got involved in negotiation. But by the end, I, I had nothing to do with it. Yeah. It was the production company did it. I mean, at, at that point, though, you're talking, you know, post-1986. You were born in uh, 67. Yeah. Um, not, yeah. not trying to make you feel old. <laughs> but, um, you know, at that point, you're, you know, with people that you watched and I mean first of all I mean I guess I should ask how much of these players or finals did you end up watch or watch live and um well the one I mean the, the, the World Cup that uh, in, in 1978 which actually by complete coincidence was the year Dick Nenenga scored um, uh, I, was, I was 12 so at the age of 12 you're old enough to just get football completely but it's before you start going to parties and chasing girls and sort of all that stuff. So, so football is the center of your universe. So that, so that World Cup and just the ticker tape and it, was, it just looked utterly intoxicating. So Kempes was one of the ones, whenever I, whenever I come up with the idea, Kempes was one of the ones I was looking forward to meeting most. And he, he was by far and away, well, it's not fair to say by far and away, he was most disappointing. What, what, why was that? He just, he's a bit grumpy. Um, he didn't. I mean, a lot of the others, a lot of the others had done interviews in the past, but I think they warmed up. But once we started, because our line of inquiry wasn't what's it feel like score goal in the World Cup final. We, I, I, I wanted to know what they had for breakfast. I want to know the last conversation they had before they went on the pitch. I want to know the music they listened to in the bus. Yeah, and, and the, the day before and like kind of yeah, the day yeah, after just, too. Just to paint a picture of what it means to a human being to score a goal in the World Cup final. Because I mean, now everybody's very well media trained and whatever. And, 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 and also, a lot of those guys, you know, the likes of Pele and Jeff Hurst, they've told the story of scoring the goal so many times that they don't actually have to go into their memory to, to recount the stories. They just left them off the shelf. Yeah. Whereas our line of inquiry required them to go back into their memory and, and sort of, oh, yeah, I do remember, you know, listening to music on the bus and, and I remember this lady we used to pass every day. And, and I think they really enjoyed that because I think a lot of interviewers, are, are, they're sort of lazy and they just want to know. What's it, I mean, what's it, I mean <laughs> what does it feel like to score a goal in the World Cup final? Great, thanks, yeah. bye. You know, that's, that's not an interview. Whereas if you paint a picture, to my mind, which was the inspiration behind the idea, you paint a picture of the of the human being, and then and then try and understand what that what what that did to them. Yeah. You know, because they are they're all blokes. You know, they're just yeah. blokes. You know, and a lot of them, like you said at the beginning, a lot of them aren't even famous. You know. Yeah. And uh, and also, if you flick through, the, if you'd never seen that book before, and you flick through it, and there was no words in it, most people wouldn't know who half them were. I mean, I would say more than half of them. Yeah. I mean, in, yeah. unless you're like a real, a real, boffin, a yeah. real like diehard, yeah. you know, nerd. <coughs> um, yeah. 
No, no doubt about Which it. Which was part of the appeal. And like I also said in the introduction, you know, d- d- Maradona, I mean, one of the questions people always ask me whenever they hear that I'd done the project was, what was Maradona like? And Maradona didn't score a goal in the yeah. World Cup. Well, you know, <laughs> Johan Cruyff didn't, Franz Beckenbauer didn't. Yeah. You know, Beckham never even got near a final. Oh, know? God, yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, something that, and that one of the other things that uh, really stood out was how so many of these guys were such underdogs to even be in the final yeah. or to be underdogs to score the goal. Yeah. And it's, I mean, there's definitely like at least one or two of them that, I mean, when Rossi, uh, when Rossi went to yeah, the World he Cup finals in 1982, he couldn't get arrested. I mean, he let alone get in the team. He'd been banned for the previous two years. Yeah. He was completely, he wasn't match fit. Um, and n- n- nobody in Italy knew why he was there because obviously you're, you're yeah. only allowed a limited number of people. And we're like, what's he doing there? That, that was his World Cup. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so it was, you know, at least one or two more said like, yeah, yeah we're, we, we didn't think we were going to even make the team. Yeah, that's right. And well, Je- Jeff Hurst was saying that, uh, uh, like, a year previous to that, he, he couldn't even get in the first team at West Ham. Yeah. Let alone get in the England team. Yeah. I mean, it was so stark for me because, you know, obviously we're in the build-up to a World yeah. Cup right now. And, you know, we think we, we know what the teams could be like yeah. and, you know, who could be the heroes for each team. And, yeah, we, we have no idea. Like, no. It could. No. That definitely stood out about the book. You mentioned Kempes was someone that disappointed you. Who Who is the opposite? Who's someone that you didn't really know of, perhaps, or just like um, that you were like uh, blown away by? Tata Brown, who scored for Argentina in 86. Um, really unassuming guy, really. Um, I mean, he, 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 he was the epitome of that idea that he just felt humbled that he was lucky enough to be in the right place at the right time to manage to hoof the ball in the back of the net. I mean, his goal was a good goal, but um, yeah, and he, he sort of welled up and he sort of, he had, yeah, he had to stop himself crying at one point just because, and he was just so proud of of that team and, and, and whenever he described the experience, he didn't, he didn't really talk about himself. You know, he credited, you know, Burachaga and, um, and Maradona with, he, 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 and he, his whole thing was just, I was I was just lucky to be there. Yeah. Um, but you know, this is a guy that scored a goal in the World Cup final. You know, yeah. he's got a World Cup winners' medal. I mean, it's yeah. <laughs> nothing luck about yeah. that. You yeah. Know? Um, you have to be there to score him. Yeah. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, you you bring up he got emotional, and yeah. I w- I'm curious because the one thing that it, it's a little difficult to tell in the book is how moved some of these men were while they were telling these stories and kind of you know you you said that it, they had to go in their memory banks to yeah. to get yeah. this. So they were, you know, transporting back to, you know, yes, 20, 30, right. 40 years ago. Yeah. How, how close was it still to them? Um, I mean, to be honest, it varied. The, the other thing you've got to bear in mind is a lot of these guys scored a goal in the World Cup final and lost. Yeah. So, so for some of them, like, especially with the Germans from 1986, they, uh, it was Rummenigge and, God, his name's left me. Um, uh, I think it was Br- uh, um, it something with a Brahmi or what, what is it? Um, uh, He's, he's got. He's <laughs> got to consult the book right now. Um, he's here. Uh, yeah, because they lost that. I'll just give some context yeah. while you're uh, do yeah. while you're so finding the conversation. But they, uh, they, yeah. So they, they, they were less keen to talk about it. Yeah, because they were down two 0 and yeah. then they and came then they back. Came back. Yeah, two and then two. they were right back in it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So 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 some of those guys, the experience, and yeah. obviously you know Zidane. Um, 
and to be honest, it's it's just it, there, there's a token nod to it in the book, but he obviously didn't want to talk about 2006. Yeah, yeah. and sort of with good reason because that's not it's not what the book's about. I mean, the book is about. I mean, obviously, FIFA have been embroiled in all sorts of chaos for the last two or three years, but the the, the book is very much about the spirit of the World Cup, what it was intended to be, and you know, just the the, the, the pure footballing spirit. It's got nothing to do with, and even the guys I mentioned, nineteen eighty six is sort of a turning point. The guys before that, you know, whenever you talk about the sort of before and after, you say, what do you think about the money in the game now? They would not swap their experience for anything. You know, they, they, they felt they were part of something magical. And they just don't, they, they don't associate the experience with money at all. So. Yeah, the, you get that celebration uh, yeah. element. And, but um, you, you mentioned 1986. Uh, once again, like the, kind of the turning point. Yeah. And I'm just curious. I mean, that's just my theory, but yeah. that was my experience. You know? Yeah, I mean, but I think it's kind of indisputable that it's, yeah, it's around, around that time. That time. Yeah. Um, how were you 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 t- document the you know the day before sometimes yeah. the, you know even the tournament yeah. preceding that the, the final and then but you also talk about the day after yeah and um yeah. you know even the week after yeah. and uh, you know how people especially post 1986 yeah it changed their not just their fame for like the yeah. day oh, but yeah. a week yeah. or a year yeah. a, Absolutely. a decade yeah. after yeah. yeah oh no no it's like I mean, now, now I've scored a goal in the World Cup final, it's like, right, your life is never going to be the same again. Yeah. Now, obviously, for the guys that did score in, you know, the 60s and 70s and, and whenever, it, um, you know, it, it did change their lives, but it changed their lives more in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an emotional way for themselves rather than, you know, Jeff Hurst could still walk down the street and, you know, and not, and not get hassled. It was just that, that, that whole, that celebrity, you know, sort of, Culture. While people were famous, then you know the, the the players would go to the pub after after match, and you know even when you know when Geisha talks about 1950, it's just it's just another world. I mean, they they, yeah. they won the World Cup final. They had no money, yeah, and they had a whip round to go and buy some sandwiches. I mean, they just yeah, won seriously. the World Cup, <laughs> and they just went up to their room and yeah. And, well, they went know. up to their room because the treasurer was yeah. so sure that they were going to lose it. He left. He left. Yeah. The night before, he went home. Yeah. And so whenever they won the World Cup, they couldn't find him. So they, they actually had no money. They couldn't afford to go out to a restaurant. Yeah. And, and, and but you, you, but and you can contrast it in 1982. I mean, one of my favorite parts was Rossi ta- talking about how he scored the goal in 1982 against Brazil, and yeah. then five years later he was in Brazil yeah. in a taxi <laughs> yeah. and was told to get out of a cab <laughs> yeah. because the person recognized him. Yeah. And I, I think that kind of sums yeah. up a but little it's a, bit. It's the same whenever, when, when Gigi, who sort of sadly died two years ago, whenever he used to travel to Brazil, uh, they would say, they, they, like even, he, he, he told us some story about there was some young girl at, um, what do you call it, customs, where you just show your, you show your, uh, Passport and 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 she she obviously was far too young. She probably wasn't even born in nineteen. Well, she wouldn't have been born in nineteen fifty. Yeah. She was probably born in nineteen eighty or something. And she knew who he was, and yeah. just because the, the 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 Brazilians do like to wallow in defeat a little bit. Yeah. I mean, they they remember nineteen fifty. Yeah, well, they, they will they after two thousand fourteen yeah, for a while. They remember too. the defeat in nineteen fifty more than they remember the victory in nineteen seventy. And nineteen seventy is. You know, just for lay people, if you ask, what, what, what's Grace? What's Grace World Cup team of all time? Almost everybody would say Brazil, nineteen seventy. Yeah. Um, but they don't like to remember that. They much, they much rather wallow in their self pity of nineteen fifty. And yeah. So well, they had many more wins. That, you know, yeah. you, you remember the losses, I <laughs> yeah. suppose. Yeah. Um, uh, you, you mentioned. Uh, 
or in, in the introduction of the book, you mentioned some of the incidents traveling and on the actual trips. Um, and you, you mentioned, I just want to like read from my paper, uh, that, um, uh, where is it? Oh, um, that you almost left with Emmanuel uh, Petit's winner's medal and that you were asked to leave a, a favela at gunpoint. <laughs> That's um, true. So if you could just elaborate, because this isn't in the book, you don't like elaborate any further. And I, I had to understand the backstory well, of this. I mean, Emmanuel Petit, I have to say, he was absolutely delightful. We, we, we photographed him at, uh, is, it, is it Parc du Prince, I think it's called? Where we actually interviewed him on the pitch where... Um, yeah, in, the, in, in Paris, Paris yeah. where, where he had scored the goal. And he just, I mean, it, it did, because uh, most of the modern players, I mean, Ronaldo, for example, came with people, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Whereas uh, Emmanuel Petit turned up on a scooter on his own um, and sort of said, right, you know, give us as much time as you want. It was absolutely delightful. Um, but we were on the pitch and uh, I, I was sort of shooting. He had, a, he had his medal in his hand. And I just, I didn't want it in the picture. So I just asked him, I, I said, look, you put it down somewhere. But the grass was slightly wet, so he gave it to me. <laughs> and I just put it in my pocket. I didn't think any more about it. And then at the end of the day, I mean, at, at the actual end of the shooting day, he he, uh, he just sort of headed off. And um, we were packing up and he came back about 20 minutes later. And he went, can I have my medal back? <laughs> and I was like, oh God. Yeah. And I'd had it in my pocket. I, I, I genuinely forgot about it. I mean, what was I going to do with it? Put it on eBay? You know, yeah, so, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was completely fine about it. He knew it was a yeah. genuine mistake. The, the incident in the favela was slightly odd in that in, in whenever we, wherever we went in Brazil, we always had security. Now, I think that's just how production companies work. So wherever we went, we, we, we would hire a local... So there would be us, and then we'd hire a local production company with a fixer and a translator, because otherwise you just don't get anything done. Yeah. Um, and I just think there's a culture in... Um, certainly in Brazil, because it didn't happen in Argentina or Uruguay, of, of just for security. So we hired our own security guy who was an off-duty special forces policeman or whatever. And really nice guy, but... And there was never any trouble. You know, there was never any, there was never any suggestion. But in, the, in, in, in some of the larger favelas in Rio, there's basically... There's like a concrete ring around them. And, and, and at, that, at the edge of the concrete ring, there'll be a police car. And th the reason that's there is, is what, what once you pass that police car, the police have no jurisdiction. The police don't go in. Yeah. So, so we were saying, you know, why don't we just bring our guy? And they said, well, no, because that, that, would, be, that would be insulting to the, the gang lords in the favela. You can't, you can't bring in your own security. Yeah, it's like a so, lack of trust, yeah, I guess. Yeah, so, so we hired them. We hired the, the, the gang lords' security. Yeah. So we, 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 we hired a couple of the guys from the favela to look after us. And um, it was a day we shoot in Jarzinho. And uh, on the way in, we, we, he was doing some charity thing he wanted us to see, which actually wasn't that interesting. Um, but I saw this beautiful old, I mean, if it was here, it would be considered an antique, but for them, it was a working football table. Really beautiful thing. And I said, you know, I really wanted to do that. And they were saying, mm, well, you know, it's not, it's, it's sort of outside our, our area. And I was like, come on, I said, so it was the end of the day. And um, it was the last thing we were doing. I said, right, come on. Down. And Jarzini, he was quite happy to do it. He, he, he was up for anything. And um, so we're standing, so, so our van was on the other side of the, the concrete ring, which is probably 50 meters away. And um, when it, whenever you're shooting, I mean, whenever I'm shooting any kind of talent, you, 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 you shoot them for as long as you can see they're up for it. 
Um, so you, I, I would never stop shoot early. It just, it just wouldn't happen. You, 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 you just keep going. And you don't go until they go, right, I've had enough, I'm fed up with this. You can just tell when they've, when, when, when they just sort of turn a slight corner and you just know you're not going to get any good after that. But that's the, that, that's the point you work towards. And everybody that does what I do knows that. So we, so we had the film crew as well and Greta, who was our um, Brazilian producer, who bizarrely now lives in Dublin. Um, <laughs> she, uh, so, so, so they were, I, I'd set up a light and the, the crew were standing behind me and just where, where I was shooting Jersey and I could see this guy sort of snaking slowly down. So, so basically our, it got to about half four and our, our security, which, we hired, which we'd hired from the favela, got bored and went home. So we were left on our own. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I wasn't really aware of that because they were sort of there and not there. They weren't, they, they were like, they're all a bit stoned and it was all a bit weird. Um, but they, uh, so I saw this, uh, and just because it was in right in my field of view, because I was looking down along the street and saw this motorbike sort of slowly sneaking down. And then he, he came around and stopped just behind us. And, um, and, he, and he, I could hear him talking to Greta, but I was still shooting. So that's, that's where my primary, that's where all my attention was. And, um, Greta said something to Dan, and Dan said, uh, okay, Michael, let's go. And that had never happened before. You know, nobody, and like I say, you, you, don't, you don't stop a shoot until, until it's over or the talent decided they've had enough or whatever. And I was, I was like, no, Dan, it's, 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 and I was sort of saying, Dan, no, he's fine, he's fine. I can, I, you know, I can see him, you know. Yeah, he's talking still about good. He's, yeah, he's here and he's happy, so it's, it's cool. And Dan was like, no, 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 let's go, let's go. And I was like, no, Dan. So... <laughs> So I shot for about another five minutes, and I was happy with what I got, but it was where Dan was doing. And um, so I turned around, and the entire crew, apart from Dan and Gret, our local producer, had cleared off. They'd just gone. Um, and we were walking back, and we got in the van, and Dan said, look, I appreciate that you were still shooting. I didn't want to tell you, <laughs> but that guy pulled a gun on us. And just told, just told, he just said, right, you, 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 and you, you're leaving now. And that's when Dan said to me, let's go, Michael. And I was like, no, 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 it's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> and in kindly, in fairness to Dan and credit, they didn't tell me that until we were back in the van and had left and everything. Because I would if I'd known that, I would have been gone in a flash. Oh, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, not, n not worth a, a bullet um, for no. sure. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm curious, what... What did you learn most from this six-year experience from all of these interviews? Uh, I mean, this can be about interviews. It could be about players. It could be about the World Cup. It, it could be like takeaways um, from any of those things. One of the things would... Well, w w one thing I took away from, which has got absolutely nothing to do with football or the World Cup or the players, is that if, if, if you set your mind on something and you decide you want to do it, never take no for an answer because almost all of the players whenever you ask people to do things like that it's an inconvenience and it's always easier to say no and almost all of them said no initially and it's just that gentle plugging away plugging away plugging away and in the end i mean the project would only have worked that that, that book wouldn't be a book if one player was missing yeah because you, you take the idea to a publisher and say oh yeah it's uh, like it says on the front Intimate portraits and interviews with every living FIFA World Cup final goal scorer, except one. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's not going to happen. Asterisk, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we missed 1982. Yeah, yeah like, exactly. So you, know. so, you know, it just, it, 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 it's all or nothing. And we were, ha we, we, had, we had taken the money from ESPN and ha ha the players were still saying no. Yeah. So that was really stressful. But I think we just, it's that sort of blind faith thing. Yeah, you, you do something until, 
until it, it it either happens or it's rendered physically impossible. So, I mean that that's, I mean that's that's more to do with what 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 I do for a living and and sort of how to go about approaching projects. Um, in terms of the in terms of I mean, I mean I don't know what it'd be like for you, but my, my intention always with the book was, and I'm going to ask you a question here. It's like so, so, so having read the book. I mean, what, what, will that inform your watching of the final next year? Definitely. Yeah, I mean, that's... Because we, we sort of watch World Cup finals and just think everything's shiny and lovely and whatever, and, and it's all, it's all, like, all yeah. on TV. But, but in actual fact, the, the, these are blokes that, you know, have, maybe haven't slept the night before, maybe, you know, maybe they struggle to eat breakfast. And it really... I mean, the intention was really to humanise them uh, with the intention of... At informing your, you know, watching the World Cup. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of thing. If, if you know, if there was a World Cup, I mean, I hope this is true. I don't know if that's true or not, but you know, if there was a World Cup that somebody remember, if somebody bought this book and there was a particular World Cup they remembered, and there was a goal they remembered, and then they went back, you know, in the book I, 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 and read the story behind the goal. I mean, my intention is, is that sort of they, they would never see that goal in quite the same light again because they would, they would have a tiny insight into the man that that made that moment happen. Yeah, I mean, it's it's true just for me specifically because I read the book first and then I watched the documentary and right. saw the goal. So, you know, I see yeah. all of the, you know, descriptions of the goals and, you know, I yeah. read the book and then I see the goals and it did take on a completely new yeah. light. Yeah. Uh, as you said, and, um, you know, anytime I see a goal celebration in a, in a really big game, yeah. you know, it'll make me think that much more about it. And one of the things that also you notice in the, they talk about, numerous of of the players talk about when they score the goal they have a moment that's either removed from reality where it's like just them or they also have a moment where almost like a near-death experience where their entire life flashes before that i mean tordelli in particular i mean his celebration is the most famous i mean his celebration is the epitome of, of, of what it looks like to score a goal. Because he scores the goal. I mean, it, 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 I, I could watch it a thousand times. And when he talked about it, he was really emotional. And I mean, when it, you, you see him score the goal and then he turns away and you, you, you can see it dawning on his face what's just happened. Because initially he's thinking, all right, got to get the ball, got to this, got to that, have a punt, goes in the back of the net. And he sort of turns away and goes to score it. And then you can just see him going, it dawning on his face. I've just scored a goal in the World Cup, and and his face looks like it looks like the screaming. You know, it looks, you know, hysterical. But but he describes it as as, as a moment of complete silence, um, and sort of isolation and perfect. Because obviously, nobody nobody can possibly predict what it's going to feel like to score a goal in the World Cup final. And for most people, it's only ever going to happen once. You know, it's just it is this, it is. And also, you know, once you've done that, there's nowhere else to go. I mean, that's, yeah. that is the epitome. You know, if you're a professional footballer, which is the biggest sport in the world, you know, the, the, the biggest platform in the world is the World Cup final. And to score the goal, that's, that's it's, it, 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 I, I actually, I mean, there's, there's a thing that, I think the Guardian wrote about it once, and it's every, it's every boyhood dream. I, I, I couldn't allow myself to have that dream. I, it's just so inconceivable for me. I can't, I can't imagine scoring a goal in the World Cup final. Actually, you know, I could go, you know, I, I can sort of imagine it, but I, I can't feel anything because it, it's so beyond my ken that it, it's, it's, you know, I might as well imagine what it's like to walk on the moon because 
there's there's actually a greater chance of me walking in the moon now really <laughs> when I'm 51 <laughs> yeah I guess now yeah. Northern Ireland are out of the World yeah. Cup so <laughs> yeah well I don't know <laughs> I mean it's it's so true though like I mean just to score a goal a professional goal yeah. is an incredibly rare thing for most people but score one and you know that's yeah. the apex that's the apex yeah. um, what was the most surprising element of the project um I don't know. I mean, I'm, it's sort of, I mean, you, but, but whenever you do a project like that, especially you spend an enormous amount of time in hotels and the back of vans. And, you know, there's, there, there's, you know, for, 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 for one 90 minute interview, there might be, you know, two days travel and, and whatever. So, so yeah, I don't know, but there, there was a, there was a lot of hanging around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fair play. Um, Obviously, you, you mentioned it's every living goal scorer, yeah. which is thirty-four of the fifty-four, I believe. Um, well, it's not. It's not. Well, the the, the thing is that the, the, so so at, at the time of when, when the final whistle blew in Brazil um, in two thousand fourteen, the, the the book documents every everybody that was alive on that day. Now, subsequently, um, I think four have died. Uh, and obviously that, 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 that number is ever changing because somebody will score next year and sadly these guys will keep dying I mean a, lo a lot of them are very old men so, so, the, so, the, so the numbers change but I think the, 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 the way and obviously you, you know, it's, it's sort of it looks like an inexact science but the book starts in the Maracanã in Brazil in 1950 and finishes in the Maracanã in Brazil in 2014 and the, you know there is a nice sort of narrative arc with that and it starts and finishes and obviously it wasn't in Brazil in the meantime so the, the the thing, there is talk about carrying it on, but the, 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 and obviously if somebody threw money at the project, I would consider it. But the problem with carrying it on now is when you pick up the book, and you know, I I imagine you had this experience. There is a beautiful narrative arc, and you know, you meet Geisha, who's this old man talking about living in Uruguay in the 1950s and whatever, and and then you know it goes through the 1960s, and and you see how the shape of the World Cup changed. And you almost see how the shape of the world change and sports and, and, and sort of all that stuff. And there is a very nice narrative arc in the book. And it's done in chronological order for that, for that reason. I mean, you, you could have done the book where you, you just met all the Brazilians and then you met all the Italians. And, but it, it's, very, it's very much intended. That chronological narrative arc is very, very intentional. But the, the, the problem now is, if I lived long enough to do this for the next 20 years... So you would have met Gigi in 1950, and then it would get to 2010. You'd meet Iniesta, then you meet Goethe, and then every year from then on, you would meet a young multimillionaire, 23-year-old, who just went, "Yeah, that was really good." Yeah, there's, know, the, a, there's the, no the, reflection. It's yeah, not but also the narrative arc sort of stops because you know, you, you know, you, you start with guys in their 90s, and then you know, you get younger and younger and younger and younger, and then and then it just flatlines. Every year, it'll be a 21-year-old multimillionaire saying, yeah, I won the World Cup, brilliant. You know, there's no... The, 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 the narrative arc ends. I mean, to be honest, if somebody wanted... To, like I said, if somebody wanted to keep it going just for the sake of keeping it going, I don't think... I probably shouldn't be saying this in case somebody phones me and asks me <laughs> to do it again. But I think... It, there's a point at which you stop learning. I mean, I think, I think in reading the book now, you learn quite a lot about, you know, the, the World Cup and whatever. But I think if we did it every year, every four years now... 
that learning curve just stops. Yeah, no, it's and it's also just too fresh in the people's minds. Yeah, but I exactly. Was, you know, there are twenty or so um, goal, uh, the you know, goal scores that weren't obviously interviewed, and uh, not obviously because of, yeah. of you or anything, because they weren't alive. How many of or which of them did you were, are you really disappointed that you didn't get to talk to or that you right. would have loved the, 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 to? The, 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 this is an easy answer because whenever I originally came up with the idea, he was still alive. Um, although I think he had dementia, then he died. It was Puskas. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, who who sort of was a a sort of a legend, legend. But uh, yeah, I mean to be honest, most of the ones, most of the ones prior, you know, from 1930, 30, 34, 38, I'd never even heard of them. You know. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious. Is there any question that you didn't ask that in retrospect that you would have liked to have gotten in there, or or some element maybe? Um. No, I mean, we, we, we thought, Dan and I, the, the other director of the film, we sat down and thought about, thought about it really long and hard. Um, and like I say, it, uh, I mean, the, the, the problem we had with the interviews was, was that we didn't actually do the interviews. So, so, uh, so everybody, I mean, Pele could just about speak English, but, and Tardelli can just about speak English, but they, they, they all wanted to be interviewed in their, in their native, in their mother tongue. And, and, and that sort of suit us, because people, they're just more articulate. You know, if, if you're asking Tardelli about what it's like to score that goal in 82, and he, instead of thinking about what it's like to score the goal, he's thinking about how to say it in English. Yeah. You're just a step away from, you're a step away from the story. So, so what we did is we, we, we sat down, uh, and we, we didn't get the translations done live. It wasn't too time-consuming. So, I mean, if, for example, you know, in, in Brazil, I think there was 11 Brazilians. So we, we had one translator, Greta, um, who we're still very good friends with. And uh, we, 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 with each one, we would sit down and go, we'd go through the questions and then go through so that they completely understood the spirit of what we're after. Because obviously, the, the, the thing that we couldn't do was see the direction of the interview changing. And so, all oh, right, he's mentioned that. Let's go with that. Um, there was none of that, but uh, you know, at the end of the interview, we we sort of we'd go through the key things, right? Did you you know did you ask that? Did you ask that? And did anything come up? And and you know, with the likes of Greta, it was great because she did it. So by, by the time you're three in, but you know, with some of them, like for example, Masipust, um in in Czechoslovakia, you know, we we only did him once. We met the translator that morning, so things like that are, are slightly more fractured. But um, yeah, but we, we we had a list of key and and like I say, the 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 character of the interviews weren't necessarily about football. It was about it was about them as human beings, which uh, I mean I just think, you know, and also there, I mean there's lots of questions like the question, you know, do, do do you remember any conversations from from that morning? We we asked everybody that, and nobody said anything interesting. So you know there's a there, you know there's a lot of misses. Um, and then, you know, we asked about the music on the bus and we got some really funny answers from that. And then some, and some of them just couldn't remember, you know. Yeah. No, totally. Uh, I mean, every every goal has a story and, yeah. and that's what it seems yeah. like it, you were going for. Yeah. Um, in the introduction, you said you had this idea 12 years ago. Yeah. Why did it take you? <laughs> what happened in those 12 years between the 12 years and the six years when right. you actually started doing it? Right. What? I lost all my hair. <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, well, originally, whenever I, I mean, I come up with the idea, uh, I mean, I, I, as a photographer, I'm, you, you do two things. You do, you do stuff for money because you have to earn a living. And very often that isn't, well, isn't necessarily the most creatively satisfying. So, so I always have projects on the side, on the go. 
and I'm always doing little bits of research and some of them come to fruition, some of them make money, some of them lose money, but it, they, they tend to be just ideas that I'm excited by. And I, was, I think I was um, researching something to do with uh, football managers and I, I just came, I, 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 I can't remember why I looked into it, but I just realised just how few the numbers were. Um, that it scored a Golden World Cup on. So anyway, came up with the idea, worked out, right, this would make an amazing book. Um, and, and then pr- pursued it quite far down the line. But the, 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 the fact is a book would never generate enough money to finance the project. It's just a fact. Hmm. So I sort, of, I sort of had the idea there. And, you know, you, 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 you sort of kick in various ideas around. Some of, them, some of them happen, some of them don't, whatever. And that was just one of the ideas. It was sort of sitting on the shelf. Uh, but I sort of knew in the back of my mind that unless something significant happened, just n- nobody was going to finance me traveling around the world for two years, you know, to, to, to produce a book that they didn't even know what it was going to look like. You know, it's, it's just, it's, it's inconceivable. So somebody said to me, I was actually at a wedding, at a mate's wedding in Sri Lanka, and uh, he's a film director. And so there was loads of film directors there, and I was just talking to one of them. And, um, and I was just sort of talking about ideas and ideas that he has. And, and he said to me, he said, that's... That's not a book. That's a film. And I was like, "All oh, right, okay." So he then he then introduced me to various people whenever I came back. And eventually, one of the people I met was John Batsek at Passion Pictures. And uh, he took bizarrely, he took the idea to um, he took the idea to ESPN in America. And I thought, whenever I come up with the idea, I thought everybody in the world is going to get this except Americans because it's just not it's just not their thing. Uh, but that's where the money came from, and that's how the whole project was financed. But that's why it sat on. That's why. That's why. So whenever I said I came up with the idea 12 years ago, it wasn't like I was kicking doors down for 12 years. I sort of looked into it and then sort of just let the whole thing go, and then, and then it just came back to life. You know. Is there anything that didn't make it into the book that you would have liked to? I mean, you mentioned kind of one or two things earlier, um, but. Well, the book. Um, <coughs> no, I mean. The, the, or the, the documentary for that. Well, the, doc- matter, the, the, the documentary. I always thought it should have been 90 minutes because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's obvious, sense, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's an hour. And it just, th- th- there, there's a lot of stuff left out of, out of the film. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, I'm sure, you, you've read the book, yeah, yeah. The film, yeah, I mean, there's a lot more in of, the book of than course, there is yeah. in the film. Um, and the film, the film, for me, was edited down to the point that it's just a bit of light entertainment for World Cup fans and run up to the World Cup. And it wasn't really, it was intended to be this, without sounding lofty about it, this investigation into the human spirit and what happens to a person when they score a goal in the World Cup final, that doesn't really come across in the film. I think it comes across in the book because the book has got a lot more breathing room. So I obviously, I wrote the book and created all the content for it. So, so I, I, I had complete creative control over what happened with the book, yeah. whereas with the film, it got... Uh, for, 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 me, the, for, for me, the film hasn't got enough room to breathe. Yeah, well, it's just um, not as rich in detail, and yeah. doesn't. It's not a. Each, yeah. You know, each chapter in this in yeah. the book is is a real narrative story, whereas yeah. in the book it. It's the, just the, a yeah, the, the, the film's a bit of light entertainment. Yeah, know, yeah. It, um, but the, the frustrating thing is, it, is you know, the, what, what's in the book is that that could be the film. I mean, all, all all the you know, it's all there. Yeah. It just got it just got left on the cutting room floor for you know with such that it doesn't exist anymore. But yeah, for brevity. Yeah. Um, what would you like people to take away um, from either this interview, from this, from the book, you know, uh, from World Cup final goals in general? You know, I think. Um, I mean, the, the 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 World Cup has sort of. I mean, FIFA has been mired in controversy controversy for the last sort of 
six or seven years. And whenever the machine that is the World Cup Finals sort of gets its wheels running, it feels very much like, it feels like a lot of it's about money. Um, and, but in actual fact, whenever the whistle blows, it's, it's not about the money, it's about the football. And I think that, that if there was an intention of the book, it's, it's, it's to sort of bring back the, 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 the idea that this is actually a sport and it's about football and it's about achievement and it's about men and whatever, as opposed to this huge financial corrupt um, thing, which I, you know, I think it's a real shame, but I, I, I think the, the, the intention of the book is, is, is to try and capture the, 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 what the spirit of the World Cup is intended to be. And hopefully, and like, the, like we were saying earlier together, that it, you know, if people buy the book and they read it, it, it will inform their watching of the World Cup next year, you know, and yeah. certainly the final. You know, just that, that you know, idea, you know, where you see them, I can't remember which player it was, I think it was one of the Italians, was saying he could, whenever they were standing at the start listening to the national anthems, he couldn't control his legs from shaking. Yeah. Um, I love that. You know, where, whereas we think, oh, yeah, these guys are gods or whatever. It's not like he's, 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 he's nervous. He's literally you know? shaking <laughs> yeah. in his boots, you yeah. know. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, it was an attempt to bring it, bring it back to that. Yeah. Well, I'll uh, link to uh, the book in, uh, uh, online. And thank you for doing this interview. It's been thank an absolute you, thank pleasure. You. I, I, it's been really interesting for me. So thank you very much. Yeah.